section twenty of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eighteen mother what i dazzled by a flash from cupid's mirror with which the boy as mortal urchins want flings back the sunbeam in the eye of passengers then laughs to see them stumble daughter mother no it was a lightning flash which dazzled me and never shall these eyes see true again beef and pudding an old english comedy it is necessary that we should leave our hero nigel for a time although in a situation neither safe comfortable nor creditable in order to detail some particulars which have immediate connection with his fortunes it was but the third day after he had been forced to take refuge in the house of old trap boys the noted usurer of whitefriars commonly called golden trap boys when the pretty daughter of old ramsay the watchmaker after having piously seen her father finish his breakfast from the fear that he might in an abstruse fit of thought swallow the salt cellar instead of a crust of the brown loaf set forth from the house as soon as he was again plunged into the depth of calculation and accompanied only by that faithful old drudge janet the scots laundress to whom her whims were laws made her way to lombard street and disturbed at the unusual hour of eight in the morning aunt judith the sister of her worthy godfather the venerable maiden received her young visitor with no great complacency for naturally enough she had neither the same admiration of her very pretty countenance nor allowance for her foolish and girlish impatience of temper which master george harriet entertained still mistress margaret was a favourite of her brother's whose will was to aunt judith a supreme law and she contented herself with asking her untimely visitor what she made so early with her pale chitty face in the streets of london i would speak with the lady hermione answered the almost breathless girl while the blood ran so fast to her face as totally to remove the objection of paleness which aunt judith had made to her complexion with the lady hermione said aunt judith with the lady hermione and at this time in the morning when she will scarce see any of the family even at seasonable hours you are crazy you silly wench or you abuse the indulgence which my brother and the lady have shown to you indeed indeed i have not repeated margaret struggling to retain the unbidden tear which seemed ready to burst out on the slightest occasion do but say to the lady that your brother's goddaughter desires earnestly to speak to her and i know she will not refuse to see me aunt judith bent an earnest suspicious and inquisitive glance on her young visitor you might make me your secretary my lassie she said as well as the lady hermione i am older and better skilled to advise i live more in the world than one who shuts herself up within four rooms and i have the better means to assist you oh no 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 said margaret eagerly and with more earnest sincerity than complacence there are some things to which you cannot advise me aunt judith it is a case pardon me my dear aunt a case beyond your counsel i am glad aunt maiden said aunt judith somewhat angrily for i think the follies of the young people of this generation would drive mad an old brain like mine here you come on the veritote through the whole streets of london to talk some nonsense to a lady 
who scarce sees god's sun but when he shines on a brick wall but i will tell her you are here she went away and shortly returned with a dry miss margaret the lady will be glad to see you and that's more my young madam than you had a right to count upon mistress margaret hung her head in silence too much perplexed by the train of her own embarrassed thoughts for attempting either to conciliate on judith's kindness or which on other occasions would have been as congenial to her own humour to retaliate on her cross-tempered remarks and manner she followed aunt judith therefore in silence and dejection to the strong oaken door which divided the lady hermione's apartments from the rest of george harriet's spacious house at the door of this sanctuary it is necessary to pause in order to correct the reports with which richie manipolis had filled his master's ear respecting the singular appearance of that lady's attendance at prayers whom we now own to be by name the lady hermione some part of these exaggerations had been communicated to the worthy scotsman by jenkin vincent who was well experienced in the species of wit which has been long a favourite in the city under the names of cross-biting giving the door bamboozling cramming hoaxing humbugging and quizzing for which sport richie manipolis with his solemn gravity totally unapprehensive of a joke and his natural propensity to the marvellous formed an admirable subject farther ornaments the tale had received from richie himself whose tongue especially when oiled with good liquor had a considerable tendency to amplification and who failed not while he retailed to his master all the wonderful circumstances narrated by vincent to add to them many conjectures of his own which his imagination had over hastily converted into facts yet the life which the lady hermione had led for two years during which she had been the inmate of george harriet's house was so singular as almost to sanction many of the wild reports which went abroad the house which the worthy goldsmith inhabited had in former times belonged to a powerful and wealthy baronial family which during the reign of henry the eighth terminated in a dowager lady very wealthy very devout and most unalienably attached to the catholic faith the chosen friend of the honourable lady foljam was the abbess of st roque's nunnery like herself a conscientious rigid and devoted papist when the house of st roque was despotically dissolved by the fiat of the impetuous monarch the lady foljam received her friend into her spacious mansion together with two vestal sisters who like their abbess were determined to follow the tenor of their vows instead of embracing the profane liberty which the monarch's will had thrown in their choice for their residence the lady foljam contrived with all secrecy for henry might not have relished her interference to set apart a suite of four rooms with a little closet fitted up as an oratory or chapel the whole apartments fenced by a stout oaken door to exclude strangers and accommodated with a turning wheel to receive necessaries according to the practice of all nunneries in this retreat the abbess of st roque and her attendants passed many years communicating only with the lady foljam who in virtue of their prayers and of the support she afforded them accounted herself little less than a saint on earth the abbess fortunately for herself died before her munificent patroness who lived deep in queen elizabeth's time ere she was summoned by fate the lady foljam was succeeded in this mansion by a sour fanatic knight a distant and collateral relation who claimed the same merit 
four of expelling the priestess of baal which his predecessor had founded on maintaining the votaresses of heaven of the two unhappy nuns driven from their ancient refuge one went beyond sea the other unable from old age to undertake such a journey died under the roof of a faithful catholic widow of low degree sir paul crambag having got rid of the nuns spoiled the chapel of its ornaments and had thoughts of altogether destroying the apartments until checked by the reflection that the operation would be an unnecessary expense since he only inhabited three rooms of the large mansion and had not therefore the slightest occasion for any addition to its accommodations his son proved a waster and a prodigal and from him the house was bought by our friend george harriet who finding like sir paul the house more than sufficiently ample for his accommodation left the full gem apartments or saint roque's rooms as they were called in the state in which he found them about two years and a half before our history opened when harriet was absent upon an expedition to the continent he sent special orders to his sister and his cash-keeper directing that the full jam apartments should be fitted up handsomely though plainly for the reception of a lady who would make them her residence for some time and who would live more or less with his own family according to her pleasure he also directed that the necessary repairs should be made with secrecy and that as little should be said as possible upon the subject of his letter when the time of his return came nigh on judith and the household were on the tenterhooks of impatience master george came as he had intimated accompanied by a lady so eminently beautiful that had it not been for her extreme and uniform paleness she might have been reckoned one of the loveliest creatures on earth she had with her an attendant or humble companion whose business seemed only to wait upon her this person a reserved woman and by her dialect a foreigner aged about fifty was called by the lady mona paula and by master harriet and others mademoiselle pauline she slept in the same room with her patroness at night ate in her apartment and was scarcely ever separated from her during the day these females took possession of the nunnery of the devout abbess and without observing the same rigorous seclusion according to the letter seemed well nigh to restore the apartments to the use to which they had been originally designed the new inmates lived in took their meals apart from the rest of the family with the domestics lady hermione for so she was termed held no communication and mademoiselle pauline only such as was indispensable which she dispatched as briefly as possible frequent and liberal largesses reconciled the servants to this conduct and they were in the habit of observing to each other that to do a service for mademoiselle pauline was like finding a fairy treasure to aunt judith the lady hermione was kind and civil but their intercourse was rare on which account the elder lady felt some pangs both of curiosity and injured dignity but she knew her brother so well and loved him so dearly that his will once expressed might be truly said to become her own the worthy citizen was not without a spice of the dogmatism which grows on the best disposition when a word is a law to all around master george did not endure to be questioned by his family and when he had generally expressed his will that the lady hermione should live in the way most agreeable to her and that no inquiries should be made concerning their history or her motives for observing such strict seclusion his sister well knew that he would have been seriously displeased with any attempt to pry into the secret but though harriet's servants were bribed and his sister awed into silent acquiescence in these arrangements they were not of a nature to escape the critical observation of the neighbourhood some opined that the wealthy goldsmith was about to turn papist and re-establish lady foljam's nunnery others that he was going mad others that he was either going to marry or to do worse 
master george's constant appearance at church and the knowledge that the supposed votaress always attended when the prayers of the english ritual were read in the family liberated him from the first of these suspicions those who had to transact business with him upon change could not doubt the soundness of master harriet's mind and to confute the other rumours it was credibly reported by such as made the matter their particular interest that master george harriet never visited his guest but in presence of mademoiselle pauline who sat with her work in a remote part of the same room in which they conversed it was also ascertained that these visits scarcely ever exceeded an hour in length and were usually only repeated once a week an intercourse too brief and too long interrupted to render it probable that love was the bond of their union the inquirers were therefore at fault and compelled to relinquish the pursuit of master harriet's secret while a thousand ridiculous tales were circulated amongst the ignorant and superstitious with some specimens of which our friend ritchie manipolis had been crammed as we have seen by the malicious apprentice of worthy david ramsay there was one person in the world who it was thought could if she would have said more of the lady hermione than any one in london except george harriet himself and that was the said david ramsay's only child margaret this girl was not much past the age of fifteen when the lady hermione first came to england and was a very frequent visitor at her godfather's who was much amused by her childish sallies and by the wild and natural beauty with which she sung the airs of her native country spoiled she was on all hands by the indulgence of her godfather the absent habits and indifference of her father and the deference of all around to her caprices as a beauty and as an heiress but though from these circumstances the city beauty had become as wilful as capricious and as affected as unlimited indulgence seldom fails to render those to whom it is extended and although she exhibited upon many occasions that affectation of extreme shyness silence and reserve which misses and their teens are apt to take for an amiable modesty and upon others a considerable portion of that flippancy which youth sometimes confounds with wit mistress margaret had much real shrewdness and judgment which wanted only opportunities of observation to refine it a lively good-humoured playful disposition and an excellent heart her acquired follies were much increased by reading plays and romances to which she devoted a great deal of her time and from which she adopted ideas as different as possible from those which she might have obtained from the invaluable and affectionate instructions of an excellent mother and the freaks of which she was sometimes guilty rendered her not unjustly liable to the charge of affectation and coquetry but the little lass had sense and shrewdness enough to keep her failings out of sight of her godfather to whom she was sincerely attached and so high she stood in his favour that at his recommendation she obtained permission to visit the recluse lady hermione the singular mode of life which the lady observed her great beauty rendered even more interesting by her extreme paleness the conscious pride of being admitted farther than the rest of the world into the society of a person who was wrapped in so much mystery made a deep impression on the mind of margaret ramsay and though their conversations were at no time either long or confidential yet proud of the trust reposed in her margaret was as secret respecting their tenor as if every word repeated had been to cost her life no inquiry however artfully backed by flattery and insinuation whether on the part of dame ursula or any other person equally inquisitive could wring from the little maid one word of what she heard or saw after she entered these mysterious and secluded apartments the slightest question concerning master harriet's ghost was sufficient at her gayest moment to check the current of her communicative prattle and render her silent 
we mention this chiefly to illustrate the early strength of margaret's character a strength concealed under a hundred freakish whims and humours as an ancient and massive buttress is disguised by its fantastic covered of ivy and wild flowers in truth if the damsel had told all she heard or saw within the fold jam apartment she would have said but little to gratify the curiosity of inquirers at the earlier period of their acquaintance the lady hermione was wont to reward the attentions of her little friend with small but elegant presents and entertain her by a display of foreign rarities and curiosities and many of them of considerable value sometimes the time was passed in a way much less agreeable to margaret by her receiving lessons from pauline in the use of the needle but although her preceptress practised these arts with a dexterity then only known in foreign convents the pupil proved so incorrigibly idle and awkward that the task of needlework was at length given up and lessons of music substituted in their stead here also pauline was excellently qualified as an instructress and margaret more successful in a science for which nature had gifted her made proficiency both in vocal and instrumental music these lessons passed in presence of the lady hermione to whom they seemed to give pleasure she sometimes added her own voice to the performance in a pure clear stream of liquid melody but this was only when the music was of a devotional cast as margaret became older her communications with the recluse assumed a different character she was allowed if not encouraged to tell whatever she had remarked out of doors and the lady hermione while she remarked the quick sharp and retentive powers of observation possessed by her young friend often found sufficient reason to caution her against rashness in forming opinions and giddy petulance in expressing them the habitual awe with which she regarded the singular personage induced mistress margaret though by no means delighting in contradiction or reproof to listen with patience to her admonitions and to make full allowance for the good intentions of the patroness by whom they were bestowed although in her heart she could hardly conceive how madame hermione who never stirred from the full jam apartments should think of teaching knowledge of the world to one who walked twice a week between temple bar and lombard street besides parading in the park every sunday that proved to be fair weather indeed pretty mistress margaret was so little inclined to endure such remonstrances that her intercourse with the inhabitants of the full jam apartments would have probably slackened as her circle of acquaintance increased in the external world had she not on the one hand entertained an habitual reverence for her monitress of which she could not divest herself and been flattered on the other by being to a certain degree the depository of a confidence for which others thirsted in vain besides although the conversation of hermione was uniformly serious it was not in general either formal or severe nor was the lady offended by flights of levity which mistress margaret sometimes ventured on in her presence even when they were such as made monopola cast her eyes upwards and sighed with that compassion which a devotee extends towards the votaries of a trivial and profane world thus upon the whole the little maiden was disposed to submit though not without some wincing to the grave admonitions of the lady hermione and the rather and the rather that the mystery annexed to the person of her monitress was in her mind early associated with a vague idea of wealth and importance which had been rather confirmed than lessened by many accidental circumstances which she had noticed since she was more capable of observation it frequently happens that the counsel which we reckon intrusive when offered to us unasked becomes precious in our eyes when the pressure of difficulties renders us more diffident of our own judgment than we are apt to find ourselves in the hours of ease and indifference and this is more especially the case if we suppose that our adviser may also possess power and inclination to back his counsel with effectual assistance 
mistress margaret was now in that situation she was or believed herself to be in a condition where both advice and assistance might be necessary and it was therefore after an anxious and sleepless night that she resolved to have recourse to the lady hermione who she knew would readily afford her the one and as she hoped might also possess means of giving her the other the conversation between them will best explain the purport of the visit End of chapter eighteen